My guest today is a scientist in drug product development. Please welcome Dr. Samantha Paulson. Samantha, how's it going? It's going all right. How about you? Hey, going fine. Everything's good. Thank you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. and I'm honored to be here. (laughs) Well, thanks. All right. So, hey, let's jump right into it. What do you do? I am a scientist at a pharmaceutical company doing drug product development. Okay. So drug product development, one of the very sort of big pharma terms <laughs> that does seem to have a lot of meaning in itself. But essentially, when most people think about a drug or a pharmaceutical product, what they're actually thinking about is something we would call the drug substance. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of the active ingredient in whatever drug you're taking. But there are actually a lot of other components that go into making a drug effective and making it work. So if you think about a standard, like a pill that you might take. You have your active ingredient that's going to give you whatever therapeutic effect you need, Mm -hmm. but there are a lot of other components that go into the pill. So you need to make sure that your drug substance or your active ingredient, it's going to stay stable over time. You need to make sure it's not going to degrade while it's sitting on the shelf. And you also need to make sure that your drug substance will be released in a manner so that it's still effective. So if a patient takes a pill, you know, maybe you don't want the product to all be released right away. Maybe you want it to dissolve slowly, so you're continuously releasing some of that drug, or maybe you want it all to be released very quickly. Additionally, for a pill, there's other things to consider. You want to make sure that, you know, it's better if the flavor isn't absolutely terrible. (laughs) So you might need to add some sugar, some other flavor components in there. You want to make sure that that pill is easy to swallow. So these are all factors that go into developing that entire pill or what we would call the drug product. So that's the division that I work in. And additionally, I'm actually working in a division uh, that works on cell therapy products. So now not only are we delivering like a molecule or a drug, but we're actually trying to deliver living cells. Mm. And so that introduces a lot of other factors as well. So not only do you need to make sure that your drug, in this case cells, can stay alive, you need to be able to potentially ship those cells across the country, make sure that they don't die or make sure that they don't change in any way that you don't want. Mm, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Sorry, I just jumped right into it. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is great. So, so I guess this is called preclinical then the, the area you're in. Okay. And so you're working with these, you, you call them the new molecules or new mm-hmm. chemical entities, mm-hmm. and all these factors you have to worry about, the active ingredient, like you said, the therapeutic mm-hmm. effect, making sure it's stable over time, the safety, mm-hmm. toxicity, the chemical mm-hmm. makeup, et cetera. So how mm-hmm. are you doing all this? I, I know there's tests that you have to run and, and things of that nature, but can you kind of walk through like how you're able to do all this? Yeah, so it's definitely not one person or one group that's doing all of these different tests or all of the different functions. Uh, We definitely work within a team. Okay. And so this probably varies from company to company, but typically, you know, research and development would probably be the ones coming up with the new therapy. So they'll Mm. say, hey, you know, we found this molecule that we think is very promising for treating X disease. 
Now, once that is developed, it will be handed over to another team to develop the, the formulation or the full drug product. Um, so that's my role, and that's where we need to make sure that our um, drug substance, so this active ingredient, you know, will stay stable. Like, how are we going to deliver this to the patient? And at the same time, you have other groups that are really testing the functionality of the drug. So after we do the formulation, after we make these changes, is it still effective? Is it still safe? There's also a group that is working with probably clinical studies. So getting this drug into clinical trials to, again, make sure it's safe and effective. And all of these processes have slightly different timelines. Okay. And now what about the regulatory requirements and dealing with FDA and things of that sort? Are you dealing with that also? So I don't deal a lot with the FDA side mm. of things. I'm typically more on the, a little bit more on the development side, Go ahead. but okay. we do have teams that are focusing on safety, compliance, mm. and working with the FDA. Okay. All right. Great. So, so how did you get into this? Yeah, so my background is actually in bioengineering. Mm. I did my PhD in bioengineering at Rice University, mm-hmm. and there I studied regenerative medicine and tissue engineering. Mm. So the idea is trying to develop artificial like tissues or organs in the lab. There I specifically focused on trying to engineer blood vessels, but from there I had my first job in industry actually at um, Cytiva, which is formerly uh, GE Healthcare Life Sciences. Mm. And I was working with some of their pharmaceutical or bioprocessing products. So we were making a lot of the bioreactors or a lot of the equipment that pharmaceutical companies use to actually make their drugs. And from there, I really wanted to go back to some of this regenerative medicine or, you know, working in the lab, working with cells. And so Mm -hmm. that's what led me to my current role, combining some of the bioprocessing and pharmaceutical and then working with cells and regenerative medicine like I did during my PhD. Okay. Was there any sort of transition going from being that engineer at GE to Mm -hmm. what you're doing now? Or is it very similar that it wasn't too much of a transition? Sorry, difficult transition. Yeah, I wouldn't say... The transition was too difficult, but I definitely would say there was a big difference. Um, So both roles required a lot of critical thinking skills and experimentation, but working at GE, it was a lot more like plastics engineering or working with like manufacturing. But in my current role, there's a lot more work in the lab every day, working with cells, and it feels a lot more like the academic research I was doing at Rice University. All right. Now, can you talk about, are you able to talk about a, a specific drug you might have worked on and talk about an example of just how that worked out, the timeline and what you did? I don't know if I'm allowed to get into too many okay. specifics, right. but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but a lot of the products that I'm working on, again, it's cell therapy based. Mm. So we're actually working with cells and there are currently clinical trials ongoing relating to different types of blindness. Mm. So can we treat blindness using essentially by Mm. injecting cells? Okay. And then what does the timeline look like for these drug developments? Yes. Long. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think I haven't been, (laughs) yeah, I haven't been in my current role long enough to see the entire process from start Mm. to finish, but definitely 
quite a few years, um, everything is built up incrementally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have research probably starts in academic labs where scientists will see maybe a therapeutic effect in rats and then more developmental research might occur in maybe a startup or at a pharmaceutical company. And there's a lot of work involved and you need to identify whatever your drug substance is. So is this going to work? You need to do early stage testing, but there's also so much work that goes into making sure that you can manufacture this product consistently. Yeah. If we only get the right drug 50% of the time, like there's no way <laughs> that's gonna work out. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to go through, again, formulation, make sure that all of your supporting products in this drug are going to work, are going to be safe. And then clinical trials happen in phases. So you don't want to start with a huge group of people for your clinical trial right off the bat. Right. You're going to start with a very small group make sure that the doses you want to administer are going to be safe. And then you expand slowly into slightly larger and larger groups. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. yep, typically four stages of right. clinical trials where you start preclinical. So you're mostly working in the lab or in animal models. You'll start in phase one where you're going to patients. At that stage, you're only looking for safety. Right. So you want to make sure that there aren't any unexpected adverse reactions to the drug. And then phases two and three, you'll be scaling up and looking for that therapeutic effect. Mm -hmm. And after that, you're going to continually monitor and make sure that as you expand the number of people that are receiving this drug, that it's still safe and you can catch any unexpected side effects. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. And now... You mentioned all the factors that you need to look into to make sure that these progress and make sure that they pass these certain phases. But can you talk about the reasons that most of these drugs fail? So this isn't necessarily my area uh -huh. of expertise, but um, often drug may not have as much effect as you had initially expected. Right. I know that's a big issue. And I know another issue is just unexpected side effects. And, mm. and it doesn't necessarily mean that the side effects would be terrible, but maybe it ends up that your therapeutic response is not as great as you would have liked, and you end up with slightly more adverse side effects than you would have expected, and it just ends up not being worthwhile. Got it. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And then you talked about, of course, working with all these different mm -hmm. factors that you're working as a team and working within a team in your corporation, but is there any collaboration with other companies or organizations or universities, institutions on any of these drug developments? So I haven't personally been involved in external collaborations, but I have seen a lot of collaborations between pharmaceutical companies and universities mm. or pharmaceutical companies and early startups. Okay, great. All right. Now, can you talk about what a typical day of yours looks like? Definitely. So right now, I probably spend 60% of my time actually in the lab. So mm -hmm. I mentioned I work a lot with cells. So that means I'm sitting at a biosafety cabinet, which is essentially a little tiny <laughs> sterile environment. <laughs> yeah, working a lot with these cells. Other components of my day, I also spend a lot of time collecting and analyzing data. It's another big factor. Also, doing a lot of experimental planning, and then some literature search. So staying up to date on scientific articles related to cell therapy or the, the specific cells we're working with. 
All right. And then those scientific articles and journals, how frequently are you reading those? I know it, this definitely has to be an industry where you have to be on top of the ever-changing things that's going on. So how frequently are you reading these articles? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I check in pretty frequently. A lot of times there might not be like published data or a scientific article specifically discussing the thing that I'm testing. Mm. So that means you kind of need to go around and say, like, okay, well, this paper handled similar types of cells. What did they do? What kind of numbers were they working with or mm. working with? Or here's a paper that was doing a similar process but with a different type of cell. And yeah. so I may not be reading always the most up-to-date, something that's been published yeah. right now, but a very, very broad search is required. Right, to be helpful. Okay, and then, and what do your hours look like? Yeah. So during COVID, things are a little bit strange. You know, everyone has to get pre-approved to go on site. And so that restricts typical hours, but I would say it's pretty close to nine to five. Um, oh, okay. Pretty regular hours. <laughs> okay, great. Great. Good work-life balance. And then, and now skills and characteristics. You mentioned the critical thinking skills, experimentation <laughs> skills, definitely decision-making to avoid failures. So what type of skills and characteristics do you think are most important to be successful in your field? Yes, there's definitely some base knowledge that's required. We need to know something about cells or biology. But I think, again, the critical thinking skills are most important. Any sort of scientific research is complicated. You <laughs> really need to understand if the experiment you're doing, you know, are you introducing some artifacts that you're not expecting? One example is I was recently testing some samples that I had made, and I found that the samples I tested last had much better outcomes than the ones that I tested first. Mm. So it's the kind of thing, it's like, well, is it just that the last formulations I was testing, were those the better formulations? Was I getting used to this new microscope I was using over time and that was slightly changing how I was doing my counts or interpreting the results? Or maybe as I'm practicing the sample preparation procedure, maybe I'm just getting better at it. I'm able to do it faster. And so having a shorter sample preparation time, you know, maybe that's giving me better results. And these kind of things that seem small, but as a scientist, you really need to be able to take a critical look at your experiment and see like, okay, what could be impacting these results that I'm seeing? Right. I think another important skill that is so important that gets, that doesn't get emphasized as enough is you really need to be tenacious. Mm. Um, when you're in research, you know, you're doing something that nobody has done before. It's not always something crazy novel and a cutting edge, but no one's done it before and mm. you will fail a lot yeah. <laughs> and you need to be able to just do it again, try something else and see if you can figure it out. I'm not like a lone island doing this research. I have a great team that I can mm. definitely you know talk to and bounce ideas off of and see, see if they have ideas. But yeah, I think people, their first experience with kind of like research or science is in like a high school or college chemistry or physics lab where kind of like, all right, you know, if we do step A and step B, step C will happen. Mm -hmm. But here it's like, well, you want C to happen, but <laughs> you have no <laughs> idea how to get there. So go figure it out. <laughs> That's great. All right. Yeah. And, now, and now you mentioned that you have your PhD. So is that a requirement for people trying to get into being a scientist in drug development? I don't know if it's always a requirement, but it's definitely helpful. Um, mm. 
like I mentioned, the critical thinking skills are so important. Yeah. And a PhD is, you know, really what it trains you to do is think right. critically about these scientific experiments. And so, again, I don't think a PhD is required, but I definitely think it's helpful. Yeah. Okay, definitely. All right. And then can you talk about what you love about what you do? Yes. I, I love collecting and analyzing data, and I get to do that a lot in my current job. I also love balancing being in the office and being in the lab. Yeah, I really like to work with my hands, and so it's nice to kind of like, oh, I don't know if I can think right now. Like, all right, I'm just going to go in the lab. I'm going to get all my like, <laughs> get all my stuff done, and then I'll come out and plan my next experiment. Mm. So, yeah, balance between office and lab work, and then, yeah, being able to run a whole bunch of tests and analyze data. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. All right, and then what about on the flip side? What about challenges and obstacles? Mm -hmm. What's out there for you? I am guessing there's a mm -hmm. lot of hiccups that can happen along the way. So what type of challenges are there? Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know, like I mentioned before, a big one is introducing unexpected artifacts into your results. I've definitely made mistakes where I mix in the wrong reagent and mm -hmm. just kill all your cells. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty rough, you know? But again, you just have to get back and do it, figure out how you can make the process better so you don't make mistakes. But it can... You know, it can also be challenging, like when you don't see the results that you want, like over right. and over again, that can be very taxing. And I think that's where it's very important to have like a good team or good coworkers that you're with. So, so on that note, let's say you're trying to figure out the dose or the schedule for a drug. Mm -hmm. Are you just doing iterations and trying to figure out each time what changes, what's different? Mm -hmm. How's that work? So slightly more clinical side would probably be doing more okay. of the dosing because that's quite my okay. expertise. Okay. Well, but for instance, if you're trying to keep cells alive, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, something that I do a lot of is, again, you first step is to go to the literature, you know, read scientific articles, see what other people have done that might be similar, maybe give you a guess. Talking to coworkers, see if have they had a similar problem, have they had a similar challenge or worked on a similar product, see what they've done that works. And then from there, you get started. Yeah, <laughs> right. You, yeah, give, give it a shot. But I think, so one thing that is important is rarely are you going to be working on something that's so new that there's absolutely no basis in the scientific literature. Oh, okay. So that's one thing I thought, mm -hmm. when I thought it for preclinical, I thought that's what it was mm -hmm. like. It was like, everything's kind of so new. There's so, mm -hmm. so many unknowns and you kind of, really got to figure it all out prior to that human clinical trials. But a lot of it you're saying you do know a little bit about? Definitely. So like once a pharmaceutical company is deciding to put money into like a new drug or a new product, there's typically already maybe some like academic research out there or mm. there's usually a basis. So it's like, hey, we think this would work. Now, there is a lot of fine-tuning and mm -hmm. formulation, manufacturing, all of those questions still need to be answered. But yeah, usually there's some basis of knowledge oh, okay. that's out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not starting from nothing, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. All right. All right. Now, mm -hmm. do you have a most memorable moment in your career? Hmm. Honestly, I don't know if I have a single most memorable moment, but honestly, it might even be when I defended my PhD. 
So once you're finishing up your PhD program, you're expected to give this oral presentation to a committee of professors at the university. And I feel like it's one of those things that when you start a program, it seems just so far away and so unattainable. Mm. And there were so many times I seriously considered quitting the program mm. that once you finally get there, it's like, whoa, like, <laughs> I did it. Here I am. <laughs> so, I think, yeah, that was probably probably one of my most memorable moments. But also, I actually, I think this was shortly after I had defended, but I gave a talk at the Health Museum oh, in nice. Houston. Yeah. And, you know, the talk was to a bunch of, I think, high school sophomores and juniors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember talking about a little bit about my research and about my experience just being in research and how, like, again, tenacity is so important. And it was so cool to have so many students come up to me afterwards saying, hey, I never knew research could be that interesting or like I haven't you know always been a great student but do you think I could do this absolutely I think you could do this you know <laughs> you seem so excited like go do it and yeah that was really really cool that's awesome yeah that's great to do that now now talking about being excited and you talked about finishing your program what about I'm just trying to picture this what does it look like when a drug product you're working on passes and goes over to the clinical side I'm picturing the team jumping up and celebrating or whatever. Like, what, what does that look like? <laughs> so, okay, I'm still a little bit early on in my field. So right, unfortunately, I have not experienced that okay. quite yet. But yeah. I've seen, well, and I think, you know, during COVID, it's also a little bit weird. I've seen some very excited emails going around. It's like, you know, you can everybody is like, oh, that's amazing. Nice. But, you know, over email. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you know when that happens. Okay, and... all right, yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Hey, uh, Samantha, this has been great. We're at the end of the interview, but I want to ask mm -hmm. you some quick hitter questions for fun, just for people to get to know you a little bit better. But before we do Definitely. that, just want to see if there's anything else that you would like to add or anything you think I might have left off asking you. I don't think so. I guess, yeah, I just want to emphasize, again, the research I feel like sometimes the public perception is that you do a test and then you know the result and there you go, uh, you know, process is complete. <laughs> but there's really studies and especially clinical trials are so, so important because there are so many factors that can affect your results. And again, it's so important that you go through the full process to make sure that you haven't missed anything along the way and then to make sure everything is safe. Yeah, you know, and it's really hard too. And like, especially with COVID, you know, you see recommendations are kind of changing and being updated. I know people have been very frustrated with that, but this is something that, again, it's totally new. And as a yeah. scientist, you're kind of like, well, yeah, I can definitely, I can, I can definitely see why recommendations are changing, continually getting more and more information. Yeah, it's, <laughs> research and new science can be very challenging. So yeah. just asking for patience, I guess. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, I do want to ask one more thing. In the preclinical trials, is this all animals, uh, in vitro? How are you working on the trials? Yeah, so I'm working entirely in vitro at this point. Okay. So that means that we are doing tests in a lab. And we have an entire group that works to develop these in vitro tests. Okay. So they're trying to figure out how do we make sure, again, that the cells we're working with, how do we make sure that they stay pure? How do we make sure that we end up with the cells that we want? How do we make sure that they're not going to die or change in some way? Mm -hmm. So everything right now is in vitro, so it's in the lab. Right. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go to these quick hitter questions. 
First question, what's your favorite sports team? So I did my undergrad at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, so I have to say the Wisconsin Badgers. All right, go Badgers. Especially shout out to the volleyball team, they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, favorite movie or show? Oh, I don't know if it's my all-time favorite, but I always love The Office. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Favorite musical artist or group? Oh, I Honestly, I don't know if I have one. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I much prefer if somebody else picks the music. So I like to listen to the radio, to the radio a lot, listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> Favorite vacation spot? <laughs> oh, uh, probably anywhere there are mountains. Um, you know, grew up in the Midwest, moved to Texas, very or Houston at least, very, very flat. So yep. I love hiking, love the mountains. Yeah. And last, favorite food or drink? This is something I miss so much about Houston is <laughs> food. There's some amazing food in Houston. But if I'm being honest, I think my favorite food is probably ice cream. Um, oh. And favorite drink, I, I love a good beer. Oh, all right. Any flavor of ice cream? <laughs> yep. Any particular Ooh. flavor? <laughs> oh, I love coffee. And I, during quarantine, I've been making ice cream. So now I'm just trying out, oh, wow. you know, whatever flavor. I, yeah, I made a tamarind chili sorbet. That was really, really good. Wow, oh, okay. That's so, awesome. That's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We yeah. have in there, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your COVID project. <laughs> yep. yep All right. Nice. Well, hey, Samantha, this has been great. I learned a lot from this. Really appreciate it. Continue doing the good work that you do. And thank you for coming on to the podcast. Oh, before you, before so you go. Thank you for having me. An honor. Yep. Yep. Is there any way that people can reach out to you? Definitely. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Samantha Paulson, and that's P-A-U-L-S-E-N. Or feel free to shoot me an email at sam.paulson at alumni.rice.edu. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Samantha. Have a good one. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. You too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be on the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.